started this series, we talked about how there are dimensions that we cannot see, dimensions that are available to God, dimensions that are available to this spiritual world, this spirit world, um, but they are not really available to us right now in this uh, physical 3D, 4D world that we live in right now. Um, We've talked about how that world Uh, is full of some good things, really good and holy things. We talked about that last week as we talked about angels. Now, last week we gave a couple of warnings. We said this. Last week we said, do not worship angels. We said the scripture is very clear that we are to worship God and God alone. Our second warning from last week was this. We said, don't pray to angels. We have no information in the scriptures that that tell us to or encourage us to pray to angels. We are to pray to God and to focus our life and our spiritual life, even in our physical life, to focus that on God and God alone. Now, this week, we also have a couple of warnings for you, but they happen to be the very same warnings that we gave you in week number one. So let me just review with you what those were. We said in week number one, do not become fascinated, do not become obsessed with the dark side of this life that we cannot see. We said that would be very dangerous to you. It would also be dangerous to the people who are close to you. We also said, uh, as we warned, do not investigate what God tells us about this topic of the dark side, the evil side. Don't investigate that beyond the biblical source, beyond what God has already provided for us in Scripture. And here's the reason, because that will leave you open open to influence, open to attack. So those are some pretty significant warnings right off the bat. Same ones we had for week number one. They apply for us now in week number three. So last week we talked about how Scripture reveals to us that angels in some ways are very much like us. Let me tell you, because I want to review these. They're significant for us today. So I want to review some of those today. Angels, in some ways, are very much like us. This is how Scripture reveals it. The the Bible tells us uh, and describes how angels have intellect. It describes how angels have emotions. It describes how angels have a will, a free will. It describes in some places where angels can actually reach out and touch people. So that's kind of like us. We have touch. It describes how they can take some people by the hand and they can lead them. So there's somehow, even in this physical, uh, I'm sorry, this spiritual world, a physical element as well. It talks about how angels can engage 
in combat. So I would say that's similar, although it's different, but yet there's a similarity there. Um, scripture reveals, though, in some other ways. Oh, oh, let me mention this. Uh, uh, scripture also reveals that angels can only be in one place at one time. They can't be many places at the same time. One place at one time, and that is like us as well. Um, but Scripture also reveals some ways that angels are nothing like us. Uh, the Bible describes that they are spirit beings, whereas we have, while we're here on this earth, a physical body. We are physical and spiritual beings. Angels are spirit beings. They are not limited to a material body. They're not limited to that. Um, the Bible describes how they can appear in the form of men, uh, and they can be according to what we would be able to see with our eyes. In our natural sight, they would appear as men. And also, when they are appearing as men, angels also have some natural functions. The Bible describes how they would eat. So that's kind of natural. But they don't do that all the time, so that is very unlike us. The Bible describes how angels can be seen by some, and at the same time, others might not be able to see them at all. So again, that is very much not like us. The Bible describes how angels do not reproduce. So all the angels that God created are still around today because the Bible describes that angels also cannot die. The Bible describes how an angel can be seen and yet seen by us, but yet not be recognized as an angel. That's interesting as well. The Bible describes how angels have greater attributes than we as humans have. They have more knowledge than us, but they have less knowledge than God. Angels... Um, uh, don't learn. They don't learn because they, they don't have to... St well, let me restate that in another way because I would think in one sense they do learn, but they don't have to study history. And the reason is because angels were here from the beginning of creation, and so they have seen history with their own eyes. They didn't have to go back and study and learn like we do. They saw it and they experienced that history. They were here for it. The Bible describes how angels have more power than we do, but they have less power than God. Um, today, we're going to be looking at one of those angels, very specifically, very precisely. And we're going to be talking about that angel and then the other angels who followed that angel. And this angel's name is Lucifer. And the meaning of that name, here's what that name means. Lucifer means bright and shining one. And so this morning we're going to kind of handle today, like we did last week, we're going to answer some frequently asked questions about Satan, whose name is Lucifer, and this world of evil. So some frequently asked questions. Here's the first one. Who is Satan? Now, popular culture gives us some ideas. So David's going to give us something here on the screen, or McKinley, I don't know if he's there with us. Here we go. Here's a popular idea of 
what the devil looks like or who Satan looks like. And right off the bat, I can tell you, he does not carry a pitchfork. He doesn't have little horns. And he is not red. Okay, so this is Matt. What's the next one? I can't even remember what's next. Oh, there we go. There we go. Again, he doesn't have pointy ears. And he's not red. That's not accurate. Let's see. What's the next one? The next one's a little more ominous down there. You see him down there. Um, I'm going to say from this picture, he's not beastly, and he's not grotesque, and he's not ugly. That is not how Satan, that is not how Lucifer is described. You see, all of these characteristics that we just listed, all of these characteristics that we just mentioned about angels apply to Satan. They apply to Lucifer because he is an angel. In every sense of the word, as we just described angels, that also describes Lucifer. With one exception, angels who are good angels are holy and that's the one exception for Lucifer. He is not. Now, I want to clear up some misconceptions about who he is. Lucifer, Satan, is not the nemesis of God. He is not that, as you would think, like that arch rival, the arch enemy of God. Because if you think about it, a nemesis or an arch rival or an arch enemy might have the potential to defeat that other person. It's not the case. Satan, Lucifer, has no chance at all ever to defeat God in any way. He is not God's equal. He is not even almost as powerful as God. He's not. He was a holy angel, as described by Scripture. He was described in Scripture as a cherub, which we talked about last week. So Satan, Lucifer, is a cherub. He was a holy angel, but now he is what is called a fallen angel. But he is still, in every sense of the word except holiness, he is still an angel, and he has all the attributes of angels except holiness. Listen to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, as it describes this here. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star. Now, I, and that shining star in the King James Version, it substitutes the proper name there, Lucifer. This translation has used what the name Lucifer means. Shining one, shining star. It says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, or shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. So I want you to understand something. Lucifer is not an ugly beast. He is beautiful. He's not even a cute little devil. He's beautiful. 
He is a shining star, a beautiful, bright angel. And listen to what the New Testament says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He is very beautiful and can disguise himself within that whole world of beauty. So, here's the visual we have that Scripture's giving us of Satan, Lucifer. He's beautiful. This beautiful, bright angel is even pictured that way the very first time we encounter Lucifer, and that's in the book of Genesis. Listen to this. I'm going to explain how this works. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent, and this is Satan, the devil, the evil one. This is Lucifer. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. I want to pause there. And actually, that's really as far as I need to go with this verse. Because I want to focus for just a moment on that word serpent. So this is clearly the evil one. When it uses that word serpent, it's the evil one. And so this is the same as Lucifer, the angel, the bright and shining one. That's what Lucifer means. Now the Hebrew word for this word serpent there on that top line, the Hebrew word for that is also a word that means and can be interpreted as, at the very least, makes reference to the shining one. So that that Hebrew word that has been interpreted here as serpent makes reference to the shining one. So even in Genesis, the first time that we run into, that we encounter this Lucifer is right here. And that word serpent can mean shining one. Now this word translated here, serpent, can also, uh, from the root of the Hebrew word, it has a vast array uh, of depth of meaning. So I want to go through some of this. the, The international... Standard Version actually translates this, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, as the shining one was the shrewdest. All right? Because that is the depth of this word here translated serpent. That same Hebrew word for serpent, it also has in its meaning where we would get the idea of hissing. H-I-S-S-I-N-G, hissing. It it gives us the idea of muttering. It gives us the idea of whispering like an enchanter. Do you get some of the depth of this word that's translated serpent, shining one, uh, hissing, an enchanter? So you understand, you're, you're maybe getting an idea of the depth of this word. It also has in its meaning, this, this root word for serpent, it has in its meaning um, bright, like the reflection 
of brass or copper. All right? So here we have this brightness. It also has, in the depth of its meaning, from the root word, it's where we would get the phrase, the burning ones. Not really in the sense, not, not thinking in the sense of hell, the burning ones. Ah, We're thinking in the sense of bright and shining, like they, another way to, to describe that reflection of, of bronze and, and, and that metal reflecting like a burning one. That's, that's the image. So it's more of a brightness. So do you get the idea how even in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, we can see that Lucifer, the evil one, the bright and shining one, is even here in this word where it's translated in this translation as serpent. How we are talking about the bright and shining Lucifer. All right, I know that's a paradigm shift for many of us. We talk about that in one of our series. I'll try to remember which series that was and let you know this week if I can, if I can remember. Um, let, me, let me dispel a myth here about Lucifer. Say that again. He is not the brother of Jesus. Let me say that again. Satan, Lucifer, is not the brother of Jesus. He is not equal with Jesus. Why why do we know that for sure? Because Jesus is God. Jesus, if you want to know the truth, actually created the angels which include Lucifer. He is not the brother of Jesus. Not even related to Jesus. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is God. Lucifer is a created angel. So because of that, again, this is kind of a review, he is not as powerful as God. Lucifer is not all-knowing. He doesn't know everything. He knows no more than the other angels know. He is not all-present that like God is. Like he, he can't be everywhere all at one time. He can't. God can. Lucifer cannot. Here's another thing about Lucifer. He does not have a hope or a chance to escape his future that has been determined by God. He cannot escape his, but he can most certainly influence yours. Here's our next question. When did Satan become Satan? When did Satan become Satan? We're not really sure about that. But we can tell you this. Because of what he did in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, we're not going to read that again, but because of what he did there in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, we know this. He became evil. He became Satan either at that moment, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, or at some moment before that. That's all we know. That's all we can say emphatically. It was either at that moment, 
in the garden with Eve, or it happened some moment before that. Here's our next question. Why did Satan get kicked out of heaven? Well, the verse we just read a moment ago in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, Satan, Lucifer, who is one of God's most power, not the most, but one of the most powerful angels that God created, Lucifer, was not happy with God's plan for us, with God's plan for Adam and Eve, with God's plan for all of mankind, all of humankind. Lucifer was not happy with that plan. Lucifer developed his own plan, his own idea. Here's what, ha- what should happen with God's creation. And as a result of that, here's what happened in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13. For you said to yourself, this is speaking about Lucifer, you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. And it goes on and describes some other things, as this verse does and that passage does. Lucifer had his own plan of what should happen with God's creation, and that is why he was kicked out of heaven. So that leads us to our next question. If he's been kicked out of heaven, then is Satan in hell right now? Is that where he resides right now? And here's the answer to that. At the moment, for now, Satan is not in hell. In fact, verse 12 of this verse, we're going to go back one. It describes that. How you are phoned down heaven, O shining star, or O Lucifer, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to where? He's been thrown down to earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. Satan is not yet in hell. Satan roams the earth, we are told by Scripture. He roams the earth seeking people to tempt into sin and to keep them separated from God. That's his desire. That's his goal. That's what he's doing. 1 Peter 5.8 describes that. It says, stay alert. Watch out, for your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And even in John chapter 14, I'm not going to have this on the screen, but in John chapter 14, Jesus calls Satan, calls Lucifer, the prince of this world. In other words, Satan really does have a place to rule right now, and it is on this earth. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, describes it this way. You used to live in sin, speaking to believers. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying who? Obeying the devil. And how does he describe the devil? The commander of the powers in the unseen world. He's described as the commander of the unseen world. 
and that unseen world part of, as we talked about in week number one, of the dimensions on and around this earth that we in our 3D, 4D world cannot see. But Satan is the commander at this point. It says he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So, to answer that question, Satan does not live in hell. He lives and he works on this earth and around the heavens and these unseen dimensions. And until, as the Bible describes for us, until his final judgment, Satan is and will remain until then the prince of this world. Do you realize? You may not, so I'm going to tell you. At this moment, it appears, according to Scripture, it appears that Satan has some kind of restricted access to God in heaven right now at this moment. So not only is he the prince of this world right now, but he has some kind of restricted access as described to us in the book of Job, Job 1.6. He has some kind of access to God in heaven. He is kicked out of heaven, but he has access to God in heaven. Very interesting. Now, we just asked the question, is Satan in hell? And I do want to say, by the way, when Satan does end up in hell, he will not be ruling in hell. Hell will not be his kingdom. He will not be the prince, the ruler of hell. That's not the purpose, that's not the intent, that's not the way it's going to go down. But what is hell? What is hell? Um, the Bible has many different words for hell. And in our English language, we really just have one word. Hell. That's our word. But the Bible uses several different words for that. And so I'm going to help you understand what hell is by looking at these individual words. There's an Old Testament word and a New Testament word, and they're used, they're basically the same place that's being talked about, but there's a Hebrew word for it, that's the Old Testament, and there's a Greek word for it, that's the New Testament. The Hebrew word sometimes used to describe uh, one of the parts of hell that we only have one word for. I want you to understand, the English word is hell. These other words are describing a much more dimensional place than just one place. Our word, one word. The first word, Hebrew word, it's Sheol. The New Testament word for this place called Sheol is Hades. So Hades and Sheol, basically the same place. Our one word for that is hell. 
But I want to describe, thank, thank you, I, I want to describe this. We're going to leave this on the screen for just a little bit to help describe this place that our one word for is hell. Let, let me go ahead and throw out before I get too confusing. There's another word. Leave, leave this uh, slide on the screen. There's another word. So here you see heaven, and here you see the earth. Here you see Sheol slash Hades. Um, that's Old Testament, New Testament words, okay? And then way down here at the bottom, you see the word hell. This word way down here at the bottom, that word in the Bible is called Gehenna, okay? Gehenna, it's the burning place. When you think of the word hell, more than likely, that's the place you're thinking about. All right? Gehenna, okay? The burning place. So let me describe to you Sheol and Hades, which in our English translations of the Bible is also called hell. So let me describe this to you and, and, and really what this is. So Sheol or Hades, I'm just going to call it Hades for now so I can just save some words. Hades is described to us in Scripture um, as really a, a place that has three separations. It's one place with three different areas. The first place is where uh, it, 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 it's called paradise. You see it there in the yellow. That's the first segment and it is a very specific place of Hades, as described in the book of Luke, very specific place of Hades called paradise. Sometimes in the Bible you'll hear that referred to as the bosom of Abraham. All right? This is a paradise. It is in the afterlife, and it is a segment of Hades, paradise. This is the place when you think of where did, what happened to all of the Old Testament followers of God? All of the Old Testament people who followed God, what happened to them? Where did they go when they died? The Bible describes that they went to a place called paradise in Hades. Paradise, that's where they are. When they died, an Old Testament follower of God that's where they went, to paradise. Now, the Bible describes how the spirits, the souls of man, who, are, who were in paradise, they were fully conscious, they were fully aware, those souls had all of their memories from their life, and they even had their relationships with the other people who were in paradise, those relationships were still intact. These are God followers. And when they died, their souls went to this place called paradise. Their relationships continued of those who had already died as well, those relationships where they had feelings, those continued, emotions, those continued, their personalities were intact, and their, their ability to love 
was intact. Now their spirit, their soul, was no longer in these physical bodies. Not in this earthly body. They were in some kind of spiritual body. But somehow they could still recognize each other. I don't know how that works. Can't tell you how that works. It's one of those things we cannot see, right? It's in that realm. But as it's described in the book of Luke, they recognized each other in this place of paradise. So, I do want to comment that, that whatever body they have, it is not the same as that resurrection, that glorified body that Jesus had, that body that we will one day have. It's not the same. It's not the same body. Now, from this place in paradise, they can see these other two places. From this place in paradise, they can see that place there called the Great Divide. They can see that place there called the Pit. From paradise, they can see that. They can visualize it. It's there. They can notice it. They can recognize it. So that's the first place in Hades is called paradise, the bosom of Abraham. The second place is called the Great Divide. Now, we don't know a lot about the Great Divide, um, but we do know this. Nobody can cross the Great Divide. You cannot cross from paradise to the pit. And you cannot cross from the pit to paradise. You cannot cross the great divide. Now here's the third place. The third place is called the pit. It is on the other side of the divide. Paradise is on one side. The pit is on the other side. And here too, these are in the pit, these are the souls of people who have died who are fully conscious, they are fully aware, they are full of all of their memories, and they are here, but they are also full of regret because these are people who lived their lives in the Old Testament apart from God. And in the New Testament times, which includes us, apart from Jesus. That is the pit. It is described in the Bible as a temporary place of torment. Now I just want to, to, to reemphasize how in our English word, for all of this, we only have one word, and that is hell. But this is very clearly described as a part, an element of hell, but it is a very specific place, Old Testament Sheol, New Testament Hades, same place, and it's divided into three separate sections, a paradise, a great divide, and a pit. Now I just want to, I'm going to, I'm going to halt my discussion on that place right there. I, I'm going to, well, I'm going to say just a little bit more about it, but I'm not going to go into a lot of detail but I'll, I'll tell you this, because I already have gone into some great detail on this topic, and you can look back at our SoundCloud account, and I'm trying to think of where it is. Give me just a moment. Go back to the series. Um, uh, the title of the message is, What Happens 
what, and I think it's uh, what happens when, that may be the series, but the title of this teaching where I go into much more detail is called What Happens When I Die? What Happens When I Die? And it talks about what happens when you die. It talks about what happened when the people in the Old Testament died, what happens when you and I die now in this day and time. And it talks all about this. It'll clarify all that. But I, today, I'm just simply answering the question, what is hell? And it's much more than just one single word. Now, in this place, Sheol and Hades, there's that great divide that separates paradise and the pit. Those are separate sections in the same place, but they are sections with different purposes. One is a paradise. One is a place of torment. But both of those places are temporary. I want to comment. Paradise is not to be compared with because it is, not, it is not a place that is called purgatory by some denominations. In fact, we just don't even see a description of something called purgatory in Scripture. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's not there. This is not purgatory. I go into much more detail about that in that, in that teaching. Please go back and check it out. But here's what happens. When you die, you, if you are not a believer or a follower of Jesus, your soul, full of memories, full of your personality, and full of regret, and full of torment, will be in this place called the pit. And your eternity is set the moment you die. People from the paradise do not get prayed, I'm sorry, people in the pit do not get prayed into paradise. You do not cross the great divide. Ever. It is said at eternity. People in the pit do not serve their time, a certain amount of time, a certain amount of punishment, a certain amount of torture and torment, and then finally they've served enough and they can make it to paradise. doesn't happen. At the point of death, your eternity is set. You do not cross the great divide. It doesn't happen. Now that is not God's choice. God sends nobody to the pit. Nobody. Every person makes their own choice. And their choice is locked in when they die. It is set by you. It is set by me. No one is prayed to the other side. No one serves time and gets to the other side. It is locked in. It is permanent at that point. Eternity is set. The moment of death, the decision is final. And it's not what God has decided for you. It is what each of us has decided for ourselves. 
more of that in that series. What happens to me when I die? What happens when I die? Go look that up. Here's another question, very briefly. What are demons? We can't say definitively what demons are. We do know they exist. The Bible talks about them. We can't really say what they are. We, we don't really know. But it seems that they are somehow different from angels. At the very least, they, are, they may be some kind of limited angels who have fallen. They are either different than angels or they are some kind of angel that has more limitations than other angels that have, that have fallen. And here's why we know this, because it appears in Scripture that a demon requires a host body. That's all we really know. They seem to be different than angels, or at the very least, they're some kind of limited, more limited angel because they require a host body. Here's another very quick question. I'm going to have to answer this one on the blog. Are there really UFOs? <laughs> I know that seems weird to throw into this series. And in fact, it's such a big topic with such a big answer, there is no way I can tackle this today. No way. So I'm going to point you on my blog this week. I'm not even going to answer the question on my blog. I'm going to point you to another resource that will help answer that question for you. Are there UFOs? I'll do that on my blog this week. Pay, pay attention. Go, go check it out. By Wednesday, it'll be up. So here's my last question for today. Why doesn't God simply eliminate evil? Why doesn't He just eliminate evil, do away with evil, so we don't have to mess with evil? Why does God not eliminate evil? There's a very simple answer to that. Because if God eliminates evil, He would have to eliminate you. And He would have to eliminate me. He would have to eliminate all of us. Because since the fall, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, evil has lived in every single one of us. And God is not willing to let you go. Why does not God eliminate evil? He's not willing to let you go. He's not willing to let me go. He loves you and is waiting as long as He can, as long as He has planned. He's waiting to give you time to turn to Him. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 describes that. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise. His return is what it's talking about, as some people think. No, He's being patient. For your sake, He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Why does God not eliminate evil from the world? Because He's waiting on more people to turn to Him. 
More people to submit their lives to Him. More people to say, God, I have been living my life on my terms, in my way, doing what I want, when I want. But God, I realize evil has lived in me. In choosing my way, God, I have rejected Your way. And He's waiting on You and He waited on me to say, Jesus, this life that You created, You also redeemed it when You died on the cross and paid the price for the sins of the world. And because You died for me on the cross, and if Your heart right now in Your life if you have never submitted your life to Christ, you can do it right now by simply saying, Jesus, your death on the cross paid for the sins of the world. Count me in. And because you paid for my sins on the cross, that means you purchased something. And that means you have purchased my life. And I submit it to you. I give it to you. I was the boss of my life. But I declare now, Jesus, because I submit to you, you are my boss. I give you my life. It is yours. And if you have never done that and your heart is doing that right now, I ask you this. Will you please, before you turn in your connection card, will you mark that on the back of your connection card so we can know? There's information we want you to have that will help you get a great start with Jesus. Now for all of us, here's the next step for all of us. This week, draw close to Jesus this week. Spend time with Jesus in His words. Spend time talking to Him in prayer. Draw close to Jesus this week. Do not let the evil one draw you away. Do not let the evil one beat you down. Draw close to Jesus. And here's the last thing for all of us. Come back next week. As we conclude this series, come back next week. Do not miss. If there's any way possible, don't miss next week as we finish this series. All the world we cannot see. Because you are not powerless even though you can't see it let's pray God our Father thank you thank you that you did not want to leave our lives separated from you thank you Father that you did not want to leave us empty and searching Thank you, Father, that you turn not eliminate evil which would have eliminated us and left us eternally separated from you. Thank you, Father. And right now we lift our voices to celebrate what you, Jesus, did on the cross to make it possible for us to be eternally connected to you. Thank you, Jesus, our Savior. We pray in your name. Amen.